Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features. Get your free mind snack now. Today we will unlock the book Our Kids, The American Dream in Crisis. Earlier this year, Edelman Intelligence, a global insight and analytics consultancy published the 2020 Trust Barometer, its 20th annual trust and credibility survey. The report reveals that many people do not believe that they will achieve a better life through hard work. Especially in developed Western countries, income inequality is undermining trust, and the masses are far less trusting of institutions than the elites. This shows that the old belief that one can earn a better life through hard work has lost its allure. Upward mobility has become increasingly difficult for those from poor family backgrounds. After the media reported the results of this survey, many people shared thoughts online that resonated with others. Their opinions coincide directly with the main points of this book. The class-based opportunity gap between the rich and the poor has widened dramatically in recent decades. Why would a society lacking social mobility experience opportunity inequality? How can issues of opportunity inequality be solved? In this bookie, we will examine these questions together. The author of this book is Robert D. Putnam. Celebrated as one of the top social scientists in contemporary America, Putnam is a professor at Harvard University and a member of the National Academy of Sciences. He also served as the president of the American Political Science Association. He and his team spent years conducting research and interviewing 107 young adults and their parents across the country. The results revealed the drastic social changes taking place over the last half-century. Putnam began his research in his hometown of Port Clinton, Ohio. He graduated from high school in 1959, and in the 1950s there was little class segregation in Port Clinton. Kids from poor and rich families lived in the same neighborhood and went to the same school. Every kid had an equal opportunity to be better off, no matter what his or her family background was. However, the Port Clinton of the 21st century has been divided into two different worlds that exist on opposite sides of a street. On one side, there is the rich area where people enjoy their affluent lives, and on the other side lives the poor people who struggle to make ends meet. Rich kids are optimistic and full of hope about their future, while poor kids feel worried and desperate. Just 50 years later, poor and rich kids now have very different opportunities. Taking Port Clinton as a microcosm of America, Putnam revealed the widening class gap in society. He compared the differences in the growth of rich and poor kids using four separate criteria, family structure, parenting, schooling, and neighborhoods. In a society with increasing class segregation, poor kids no matter how hard they try are unable to move upward. This book not only exposes the crisis of the American dream, but also serves as a warning for other countries with diminishing social mobility. We will now unlock this book in three parts. Part 1. Why is it harder for poor kids to move upward nowadays? Part 2. What are the differences in the growth of rich and poor kids? Part 3. The problem of opportunity inequality and how to address it. First, let's go back to the 1950s, the time when Putnam was in high school. In the 1950s, 
socioeconomic barriers had been at an all-time low for more than a century. The economy and public education were developing quickly. People had relatively equal income and little class segregation existed in communities or schools. In those days, any hard-working person could find a job to support a decent life. The major barriers of upward social mobility were gender and racial discrimination, but not class differences. So, lower-class kids had sufficient opportunity to move upward. Take the Port Clinton High School class of 1959 as an example. The richest kids were from families that owned businesses. They were at the top of the local social pyramid. The majority of the students were from working-class families. Some of them were so poor that they couldn't afford a car or a television. Nevertheless, the kids of white-collar workers and the kids of manual laborers lived in the same community and participated in the same activities. Eventually, about three-quarters of the students were more educated than their parents. Many students from very ordinary families achieved a higher social status and greater economic success than their peers from rich backgrounds. However, since the 1970s, the manufacturing industry has been gradually disappearing, leading to the collapse of the working class. The worsening economic situation has made the lives of lower-income families dramatically more stressful and caused changes in their family structure. The divorce rate has increased along with the rate of child poverty and crime. The people from better economic backgrounds moved away from their old neighborhoods. At this point, the income gap started to widen. Statistics show that the gross income gap was about 30% bigger in 2012 than in the 1970s. In the 21st century, the income of the upper class has more than doubled, while the poor's income remains almost unchanged. The gap between the rich and the poor keeps widening. How has this increasing income gap impacted society? First, let's look at the changes in families. The most evident changes were in family structure and the occurrence of class segregation. After World War II, most American families consisted of a breadwinner dad, a homemaker mom, and the kids. Such a stable family structure was a product of the post-war economic boom and social norms which opposed giving birth outside of marriage. In the 1970s, however, because of the economic collapse of the working class and the rise of individualism, feminism, and other movements, changes occurred in social attitudes. Sex and marriage became delinked, and the traditional family structure started to collapse into a two-tier pattern, which was closely correlated with class. In the upper middle class, families were happy and durable. By contrast, in the lower third of the population, a pattern of fragile families has gradually emerged. How do the two different family patterns influence the kids' growth? Let's take a look at two kids' stories. Andrew was born to an ordinary middle-class family. His father a businessman has a college degree. His parents made long-term family plans before getting married, and gave birth to Andrew and his younger sister only after they had paid off their loans and accumulated sufficient wealth. After the arrival of the kids, the couple put a lot of effort into raising their kids. They always emphasized the kids' education, encouraged their interests, and gave them unwavering support. In such a happy family, Andrew felt confident about the future. You may think this is normal. However, for lower-class kids, 
This simple lifestyle is beyond their reach. Take Kayla for example. Her birth was not planned. Born to a blended family, she has five step-siblings. Her family is so poor that they live in a trailer. After her parents' divorce, she spent several years living without a fixed place to call home. Her childhood experience has left Kayla with severe trauma. She doubts her life choices, trusts no one, and fears for the future. So what caused the differences in happiness and fragility of the two respective family patterns? We can answer this question by analyzing two groups of data. One is the mother's age at birth. According to data from the American Community Survey, in 2010, college-educated women typically gave birth to their first children at about 30, while most high school-educated women had their first children before 20. The other group of data concerns the stability of the parents' relationship. According to the National Surveys of Family Growth by the Centers for Disease Control, in 2007, 65% of births to unmarried mothers were from high school-educated women. By contrast, less than 10% of these births were from college-educated women. Naturally, upper-middle-class parents tend to have children later and have a more stable relationship. Before the child's birth, they have made long-term plans and saved sufficient wealth to give their child a stable affluent family. By contrast, parents of the lower class tend to have multi-partner fertility. That is to say the parents may not be married, their relationship may be unstable, and they may raise kids from their former partnerships while they live with their current partners. Life is chaotic for parents in this group and it's naturally impossible for them to provide a nice environment for their children to grow up in. Like Kayla, with many step-siblings living under the same roof, she did not get enough love from her family and faced constant conflicts. So she is prone to anxiety, depression, and other psychological problems. Furthermore, she is likely to become a young single mother herself, repeating the life patterns of her parents. Polarization in wealth also gives rise to increasingly stark class segregation, which is manifested in neighborhood, educational, and marital aspects. Such segregation has led to a widening opportunity gap. In the 21st century, households are sorted into distinct neighborhoods by income. There are fewer and fewer neighborhoods where rich and poor people live together. Even within the same racial community, class-based residential segregation occurs. It's quite unlikely for rich and poor black people to be neighbors anymore. Similarly, class-based educational segregation takes place in schools, and rich kids more often go to private schools. Even if they live in the same school district, rich kids usually go to better public schools, while poor kids go to lower quality ones. Furthermore, even if they go to the same school, there are different classes for rich or poor kids. In terms of marital relationships, marriages between people from different classes were not unheard of throughout history. However, since the late 20th century, people increasingly prefer to marry someone with the same level of education. As a result, everyone's relatives increasingly belong to the same social class. What are the consequences of this? A poor kid will not have a white-collar uncle or an educated aunt to get advice from, that is to say someone who can help them move upward from poverty. As the barrier of class segregation gets higher, the rich and the poor have begun to walk on very distinct paths.
The view of the upper middle class is narrowed, so they no longer feel the same connection with the poor. Without a helping hand, it becomes increasingly hard for poor kids to break out of their life circumstances and climb up the social ladder. Rags can no longer become riches. We often talk about equal opportunity, but how exactly do we define equality of opportunity? To answer this question, we must note the distinction between absolute and relative upward mobility. Absolute mobility occurs when a rising tide lifts all boats at the same time. That is to say, with growing economic and educational levels of the entire society, everyone could in principle do better than his or her parents in absolute terms, even if the relative standing of every family remained unchanged. For example, some parents graduated from primary schools while their children graduated from high schools. Conversely, relative mobility occurs when say a child of lower class parents moves upward on the social ladder through hard work, and eventually surpasses the children of higher class parents. This can occur even if the economy as a whole remains stagnant. For instance, America in the 1950s and 1960s was in the golden age of social mobility. There was high absolute mobility and high relative mobility. Everyone had an equal opportunity to succeed as long as one could work hard. What about now? Evidence has shown that the development of the American economy and the development of education has stagnated. Absolute mobility is low and public discourse seems to agree that because equality of opportunity is decreasing, relative mobility is doomed to a similar fate. The American dream that hails equality of opportunity has become an illusion. That concludes the first part of why it is harder for poor kids to move upward nowadays. We first talked about how the 21st century has seen a widening income gap and polarization in wealth when compared to the 1950s. Then we saw that the traditional male breadwinner female homemaker family model has changed to a two-tier pattern of family structure, the happy families of the upper middle class and the fragile families of the lower class. Finally, we looked at the emergence of segregation and how it affects neighborhoods, education, marriage, low relative mobility in society, and inequality of opportunity. We reached the conclusion that it is harder for poor kids to move upward nowadays. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play. Get your free mind snack now.